Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Welcome to episode 123 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Allen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome Buddy Nielsen from Senses Fail. We talk about their new album, If There Is Light, If We'll Find You. And how the band got their start in New Jersey, the crazy times in the mid-2000s, and Buddy speaks candidly about what the bands were thinking, including his own, but the emo boom that took hold in New Jersey and other parts of the country. It's a super fun chat, and one where Buddy didn't hold back. Really, really great to hear his honest, honest opinion about everything. Super fun. And I loved hearing his take on how emo took hold, because... I was on the outside. He was in a band and seeing that and talking to those bands. So really, really great. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you to the Patreon supporters who keep this podcast going. And if you haven't picked up the book, Anthology of Emo, Volume 1, go to anthologyofemo.com. It's where you find all the locations where you can find it. And we are working on Volume 2. This is Episode 123 of the Watched Up Emo Podcast with Buddy Nielsen from Census Fail. Eight years ago, I would have been like, there's probably a small chance we'll be around in eight years, but not a huge chance. And now I feel like we're in like a, I don't know. Sometimes you just stay around so long that you kind of like just can't really go away anyways. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like someone like, maybe I'm wrong, like David Bazan, Page of the Lion. Like that guy's just been around so long making music that it's like he's always going to have fans. Like, I'll I'll always be a fan of anything he does, and I'll check it out, and you know I'll support it, and like he can make music until he pretty much decides to like stop. I mean, maybe he'll feel differently about that because I don't I don't really know what his financial situation is, but um, as far as like having an audience, and I feel like you know he's one of those guys I'd model the career after. You know, it's like well, well, you know, what do you do? What can you, you know? 
he does all sorts of different styles of music. He's been in a bunch of different bands and he's got like a kind of perspective on life that I think is interesting that I always am interested to sort of check in when he writes a record to see like where he's at and what he's writing about. And like, I think if you stick around long enough and like put enough effort in, you can develop that kind of fan base. Maybe, you know, I think. I d- definitely. So wh- where did you, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in New Jersey? Yeah, I did. I grew up in like Northern New Jersey. So, um, yeah, there what, was a, what was that like? Um, yeah, I mean, I got in, I, you know, I was started listening to music in, uh, the nineties. So I did all the nineties punk and the nineties stuff and then sort of got influenced by the local scene heavily because, you know, back then it was, uh, mp3.com had just started, but mp3.com even was very locally based was like, you know, I would listen to Midtown and X number five and like, uh, band called joystick and uh, obviously saves the day and thursday was kicking around then and bane and then you had all the long island bands and everybody was playing shows at legion halls and so there's like a really cool i mean i think it was now that i look at it in hindsight it was it was really cool um because that just doesn't happen now i think there's some of it but it's still very locally based and i don't even know if most places around the U.S. had a music scene like the Northeast did in that time frame. I kind of call that the last internet era, or like the last inter- like the last group that sort of didn't have it and then had it. Like you guys knew, like you, like I'd feel like there were times, you know, where uh, it wasn't as invasive, but kind of that. You know, MP3, MySpace, Makeout Club, like you could just kind of feel like there was this thing happening. But in that area, it felt still regional. Like you were like, I'm in on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you were heavily influenced by your region and the style of music there. I mean, the reason why Census Fail plays in Drop D is because the dude who was in. Armor for Sleep came over to the guitar player's house and he had tried out for Armor for Sleep and you know the guy was like yo I play I drop the I drop the E string down to D and I you know like wasn't internet I mean we met on the internet like a message board so there's like this hybrid of like internet stuff but it it really was still like you say like locally based i mean even the south jersey scene was considered like that's something different like that's a whole another thing down there they play a different style of music do you think bands have enough time to cultivate and be a band before because i think for you guys you had an ep you were kind of figuring it out you it, it was like it yes you got you know noticed pretty quickly but i still feel like you it wasn't you know like you had a thing up on Bandcamp and then all of a sudden I'm not saying that happens for everyone but it's pretty you know you do something and then bang it's on the internet and I think before there was a few more hoops yeah I mean by those days the standards of those days we were kind of shunned um locally because we didn't put our dues in uh, really like, I, 
Oh yeah, no people. We were like totally maligned. I mean, anybody who was around in the music scene in North Jersey back then was like, "Yo, fuck that band! Like they're just a Thursday ripoff." Like, you know, I mean, because we were, you know, we were trying to rip off Saves Day and Thursday. That was like the idea. It's like let's mix Saves Day and Thursday, and like, you know what I mean? That that was sort of what we were going for. Like our peers were my cam. Ah, oh, stop! This guy won't stop texting me. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, we were hated, hated. It was like, whoa, who do these guys think they are? Because we were really young. That was the other thing too. Not only did we like, because we started playing we started gaining some momentum. Like we had played shows in 2001 spotty. We had a different lineup. Then we came back in like spring of 2002 and really went hard. And there was just such a focus on this music scene in this area that because we were kind of getting a bunch of shows and, you know, it was, it was just like, it's kind of, you know, you're playing shows with local bands like Mike Hem. You know, people were getting people were getting noticed like a lot. So, um, did it feel you know, fast? Yeah, I mean, it felt pretty fast because we were we were playing shows, and then like people started like coming to the shows, which was also really weird. You know, we were playing at like a skate rink, and then we were putting on shows of our own just so we could have like places to play and then people were coming to that and then we released an ep in like august time and then drive through came around after the release of that i was like yo we want to sign you and that was like six months after we like started going hard you know like we we had been around for technically like a year then but we hadn't toured i mean we hadn't really played out of state we hadn't really like done a lot and we'd only released an EP and demo, which was our demo, was our EP. So people were pretty hating on us because we kind of got signed. We got signed to drive through after not a ton of work. And like people kind of just looked at us as like a amalgamation of just other bands that already existed, which is, is exactly what every band is anyways. <laughs> and And to go on that too is like if – if you did get signed, then that's also sometimes, you know, the needle in the haystack. Like you had a certain thing that you were doing and it was like timed with what was happening. Like that's all, that's also luck. And also, well, yes. yeah. And now know. it's accepted to do that. Now it's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Back then it was like, nah, you know, and it was funny. Cause we were like, really, you know, like what the, f- we didn't really understand. Cause you know, we were, and that, the other thing was we were so young. Our drummer was 15. Holy shit. Had just turned 15. I was I was new, newly 18. There were some guys in the band that were 16 and so it's like not that was also the big defining factor. It's like not only are these guys like, yo, this is first try, first band, like you know what I mean? It wasn't this like, oh yeah, that's what's his name and he's been in a bunch of bands and like I'm so stoked to finally see them make it. Uh, it was like, no, who the hell are these guys? And then they're in, they're out, they're already, that's it, you know? Yeah. And uh, What about, you know, you on those early shows with the My Chems and, you know, all those bands? Like, what was everyone, like, I had one view because I was at punk labels at the time, so I had one view. But being in that band and what were other bands saying and thinking as bands were getting picked off and signed and 
things were happening and more people were showing up like what was everyone was everyone had like de- well, like was it like deer in the headlights or were yeah I mean, there's a little bit of that but then <laughs> it was a little bit of that but then like what is different about now is that the the goal was to be the biggest band in the world even bands like thursday that like didn't want to be the biggest band in the world still made moves to be the biggest band in the world and ultimately that like kind of was their story and like if you've paid attention thursday and all that was kind of like their demise where they just they set themselves up to play the game and then didn't play it but like you, being around my cam early you could tell like you know these this guy like these guys like they want to be like the biggest band in the world that's ever existed and 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 they might actually be one of them <laughs> and why was that why wasn't it the earlier you know the sort of fugazi thing of like doing your own thing and doing it for the art and why was that time period in those bands why was it the other one why was it we're gonna i know every band thinks that i know everyone wants to, but it's more of it, it was almost like this flip of like i would meet bands and be like oh my god you guys are like you know this is like you guys want to play msg next year like, which is great, but it just seemed like it wasn't. It, it was a new think. It was a new thought. I think it's because hand in hand, you could tell like there was enough momentum there to actually do that. See, with Fugazi, like there wasn't. I don't think. I mean, I guess you could argue that that fest they did in DC, obviously, was a, I forget what it's called, Spring Fest, whatever. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, like. Fugazi probably could have been maybe potentially like a – but dude, Jawbreaker tried. Like I disagree. I think there were bands that were trying and I just don't think there was enough like underground moment. Like the problem was and the difference between like – And it's timing. Happened, yeah, was timing. was like the quarterback of the football team wasn't listening to Jawbreaker. But he did listen to Thursday. And he did listen to Saves the Day, and he did listen to Senses Fail. So that was the big shift. I don't think that bands, like, dude, Jawbreaker, I'm sure, was like, yo, we could be Nirvana. Like, (laughs) Kurt Cobain likes our our fucking band. I mean, he's out there jocking our band. Like, we're influencing the biggest band in the world right now. Let's sign to old school Geffen, which is, like, one of the best labels ever record with jerry finn write an amazing record and let's fucking go for it it just didn't work out i mean fugazi's the one band who like i don't know there's yeah no i guess yeah there's always i'm just saying like what happened first was it you realized that kids were into this or that the bands all were like we're gonna try to be huge and it just happened to time up with that era and no, that it was song. The, it, it was the amount of people. It was like it. literally – I mean it was just the amount of people where you'd go and play a a show and at a Legion Hall and like you couldn't fit all the people in the door. Like you go on tour with Brand New when they re- – I mean this is – I mean aside of you know Kurt Alligator, you know what's happened with Brand New, at a point – it was hysteria around that band. I mean, we went on tour with Brand New in 2003, right when they released Deja, and like it was like they didn't, it couldn't even have calculated that it was going to happen. Like I remember being at a show. It was 
Alkaline Trio, Hot Water Music, and Dashboard Confessional. And it's like there was two, 3,000 people at Wayne Firehouse, and you can only fit like maybe 800 people in there. Uh, you know what I mean? There's just this – there is just one of those things that like it happens to some genres and to some bands at a specific time. And you're like, yo, there's 3,000 people here. went from being like – seeing hot water a year before and there's like, yeah, there's a couple people here, you know, it's hot water. It's cool. But like now there's 2000 people at the hot water. Oh, it was, it was hot water dashboard opened, um, dashboard strike anywhere, hot water, alkaline trio. And that was when alkaline trio was on Asian man. Like, there was still so many people there it was like, and this, there was no promotion. I mean, it was all underground. I mean, there was no like radio MTV, nobody even checked in yet. So it was kind of like just a, it just kind of naturally happened. And then like, you have the option to either completely like shun that, or you can just ride the wave. And if you ride the wave, you end up, I don't know, you you end up making decisions that lead you to do Taste of Chaos, you know, and if you didn't ride the wave, maybe you just, I don't know, it's hard to, like, say which one came first, because they sort of came at the same time, you know. What was the influence of, you know, the, like, having the, having certain bands like My Chem that had a certain look, do you think that affected the scene sort of having a longevity because there was something for people to attach to uh, with their clothes or with how they looked? Pot- potentially, maybe. I- I'm not sure. That was like, you know, I'm not, I, I, that was a really interesting thing because we were, uh, we shared a bus with Mike Hem on the Warp Tour. I think it was like, two, was it 2004? We did half of it. And that was right when Three Cheers came out. But like, if anybody remembers Mike Chem, like, there was a there were like three to four years where Census Fail was like way bigger than Mike Chem. I mean, Mike Chem put out Mike Chem put out a record on Eyeball, and it was more like punk. And Jeff from Thursday was involved, and like they were kind of this like really cool like bands band like punk band. And then like they put out, you know, they were like you know, we're going to sign to a major, which is, you know, cool. And a lot of bands were doing it at the time. I mean, like you, you were, it, it was wild. Like, it, and they recorded three cheers and released that. And when it came out, it wasn't like, boom. I mean, it wasn't like, holy shit, what, what's going on? It was like, kind of like, okay, cool. That's cool. That's different. It's a little, it's catchier, but then, you know, I think it, I don't remember exactly when it came out, but it had come out on Warp Tour before Warp Tour. I think I, I'm almost positive. We did like the, Gerard had always kind of dressed up, you know, but the other guys hadn't really, and they didn't have a con, you know a concise thing. And then like we we shared a bus with them afterwards. So we did a bunch of shows on Warp Tour. Like after Warp Tour, we dropped off and did did a bunch of shows, and like we were like, holy shit, like. They were killing us every night, and we're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And like, you didn't really have the internet back then, so you didn't really judge. You weren't like, "Oh, they got, they went from ten thousand to like twenty thousand followers." You were just like, "Yo, there's like 
thousands of people at the 200 cap venue and they're all here to see my chem. What the fuck is going on? And they're all dressed like Gerard. And you're like, oh my God, like something is happening. And then we got off tour with them and I think it was like maybe a month later they were on TRL and they were all dressed up. And I was like, whoa. Because like they totally were like, Something happened. Something ha- is happening. But you, they were always that band that was like, yo, we're going to like make this a big deal. Like, We're not just going to sit here and be thankful for these 500 kids or whatever. They're like, yo, we're going to be the biggest band in the world. Like, Watch. And then, and then they just show up on, on TRL and they all have makeup on. I was like, whoa. They're like really going for it. And then it just – you know. And then I think the six months later we were on uh, the first taste of, taste of chaos with them and the used and kill switch and under oath and like when I look at that tour that was really I think that was really the like pinnacle of what year the was shock. that two thousand and I feel like six comes into my head two thousand and six comes into my mind but. I think it might have been. I think it might have been. Two, let me check. It might have been. Was uh, that the two, first Taste of Chaos? Yeah, it was the very first one. Maybe it was 04. I think it was 05, to okay, be honest. 05. Because it was in between records. We were in between records for us. Um, we had released Let It Unfold You, but we, we, we um, hadn't recorded. Wait, no, I'm wrong. Yeah, it started in winter of 2005. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty positive, but uh, I mean they were just blowing up. I mean they were blowing up, and the music scene. I mean Dashboard had already kind of like stepped through the door, and taste and and Take It Back Sunday had sort of like had that whole thing with the with brand new. But like this was like yo now we're now these bands are big enough. We're playing arenas. I, maybe there had been some like arena stuff before. I'm not a hundred percent like newfound might've done something. Um, but I even attribute newfound to like a little bit earlier. This, yeah, the I think Miami they're a little Canada earlier. Yeah. Census fail, like emo thing kind of came in 2004, 2005, Newfound was already like, when we first started, Newfound was already fucking huge. Like, I mean, they had done, I think, the Honda Civic tour with Weezer or some, there were a couple other things they had done, but um, this was like, whoa, like this emo thing, you know, fucking cutting yourself and all the, you know, imagery and all the violence towards women stuff really got mainstream in 2005 with with taste of chaos and and the warp tour the year before and then the warp tour that year was really like i think the bookend of like under oath put out a record that year i think they were like either i think they had the number two record like you know a christian metal core band putting out the number two record selling i think they might have sold like a hundred thousand records their first week oh that's huge Oh, totally. How did you feel with the word itself having that sort of other life when it seemed, you know, was it just was it just morphing into what that pop punky kind of stuff was, or do you, was it was it something that everyone knew? You know, were 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 people con- were bands conscious of it? 
And there's sort of the same thing, like like he talked about it, them being like, let's play the game, let's take advantage of this word and move on, or was it just kind of, did it just happen? I think it just, I think it just kind of happened because we were all influenced. Like, if you were to take a poll of like what bands influence Census Fail and My Chem, a lot of them would be considered emo bands. So it was only natural to be like, well, we're emo too, like. We like cursive and hot water music and, you know, planes mistaken for stars. And, uh, you know, I like, the you know, Thursday, who I consider, you know, a, a pretty emo band. And, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I so I listened to Stacia and Page 99 and Orchid. And so I was like, no, I scream because, like, I like this stuff. You know, I was like, I scream in music because, like, I listen to, like, Stacia. You know, and do you think because it got so big, like the TRLs of the world, and you're not everybody's not going to go listen to (laughs) Sasha, you know, everyone's not going to dive deep with Buddy and Tom listening to Sasha. But the the idea that, um, and this is really interesting for me to hear just because your perspective was like you were right. I mean, I was at a label, but you were like in it with these bands and kind of seeing their reaction, like having that fan that you know, maybe didn't go deeper. Um, was that something that you guys realized? They were like, okay, they just kind of want oh, this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously it was, it was obvious that like our, I mean, but that's just kind of always the way. I mean, that's, there was, there wasn't, I mean, that was really the interesting thing. There was always a disconnect. Not so much now, I don't think so anymore, but in that early phase, it was, there was a big disconnect between fan and band of like, where are we coming from? And where did these people come from? Because these people didn't, and we're still kind of seeing the residual of that where like bands will talk about politics and people will be like, what the hell is going on? And you're like, yo, like I used to go to shows and there was like, crust punks tabling and we did like you go to food not bombs and like it was just that's what i grew up going to and that was just what was happening like census fail didn't necessarily embody that but that's where i came from so it wasn't weird for me to like have a political opinion but you have all these people coming in from not any essence of punk background and there was just like this disconnect of like I'm screaming because like of this. You think I'm screaming because like of like Papa Roach or something. It's like no, like <laughs> you know what I mean. It or is like, interesting. I mean, to, I think that actually it's so funny. You I had this other question related to that, and it, I think it's interesting to the band seeing that today. I look at music from a different standpoint of most people like i digest records and lyrics and blah 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 and i'm coming from like a different perspective which is more along the lines of somebody that was listening to like underground music in the 90s and vice versa but like the we got so big that we were essentially pop bands i mean to be honest like census fail never really crested that big but like we're essentially to some people built off of two, three songs. Um, I mean, I don't believe that, but there's a large section of our fan base that are like coming to see one or two, three songs. 
And they don't even know that we've put music. They have no idea. Like we've just wrote two records that don't even sound like Census Fail. Our new one definitely does. But um, how is that for the bands? How is that for you as an artist that got big in that that time period? And I almost thinking about it now, it's almost like it's it's a harder time to stay the course. And I can understand when a panic kind of changes their sound or if it's Fallout Boy, whoever like from that air kind of has to keep morphing because that fan, you're right, maybe just came for two, but you know what? They still showed up. They still going to buy, they still bought a ticket. They still maybe bought a t-shirt. So you're still getting that, but it's it's almost like you would wish that you could just like sit everybody down and say, so we I mean, just got a new yeah. record. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I think census fail is a little different per se, just because I would say most of our fans are very invested in the band more so, which is something that like I kind of tried to create knowing like knowing that like the juice of like whatever those songs are is only going to go so long. So like we have to, uh, we have to morph, we have to change. There's no exact science to it because a lot of people like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But now I'm more concerned with sort of like, I want to make everyone happy. I want to make the people that are there for the two songs, but I also want to make the people that have been there for 10 years. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, I mean, the goal with the new record was to like write some more of those songs. I mean, ideal. that was ideal. We really like, we're like, okay, like, well, we need more of those songs. And maybe now I see an opening with this emo rap with Lil Peep, with a lot of this stuff with Donald Trump being the president, that there is potential I, I always base my career off no effects and bad religion. That was always what I that was always our ideal was like, well, what did, what would bad religion do, and what would what would no effects do? Like, you know, what what are the career decisions those guys made in order to like end up to be a band for thirty years? Um, they have had multiple versions of what bad religion was as far as like being a the fathers of like modern American hardcore and political punk to fucking radio band, you know, and then sort of like floating around in that awkward, like gray race area where you're like late nineties where this emo shit is happening. And you're like, where does bad religion fit in? And then out on the other side, they pop out being a band for 25, 30 years. And they're still one of the biggest punk bands in the entire world. So I still think that there's life if you invest in like believing that there's still, if you put out meaningful music that people will come almost like a, what's that fucking movie? If you build it, they will come type thing. Like feel the dreams. Right. If you, if you build it, they will come, but you have to like believe that in order to motivate yourself to do it, because it's very easy to be like, yo, man, we're just really surviving off like, you know, these two records. Um, so this was our attempt to be like, yo, I don't, I don't want to survive off two records. I want to make another record that will then people will go, oh, there's these two records. And then they wrote this one like 16 years later. 
and I think that's possible because I've seen Bad Religion do it. I've seen plenty of bands do it, but it's definitely not the norm because most people are pretty shot after like 16 years of making music. Oh, totally. I really like the way that you phrase that because it is true. It's it, You had this great moment where you had a giant pool of people and you can tap into that and that was timing and luck and hard work and all the bands were a part of it and then to have it to be able to continue it and hopefully have another one pop up and i think the thing too that i always tell bands i'm like people are st- like you're successful because you can play anywhere and someone will show up and i think that's yeah. that's that's also <laughs> yeah. sort of like fuck i think we did it <laughs> you know? like, no, i absolutely i know we did it but i think that there's just a level of like I like think the timing right now. <sighs> like, if you look at when punk was big or whatever you want to call this, uh, now it's just instead of being like politically active, you're just like inwardly depressed because of your political situation. <laughs> um, big in, in the 80s with Reagan. Kind of fades away with Bush and Clinton comes back with another Bush, goes away with Obama, everybody's listening to party management cocaine music, and now I think people are like, yo, we need some like music to back up this depressing time, which is really interesting that like trap music and stuff like Cardi B is like really big because she's just, like the perfect like inspirational person of you – know, she's not political at all, but like I don't think music has to be political in order to like – mirror the times but like she's an aggressive like young black woman that's sort of like kind of what everybody wants to i i I mean i don't want to say this poorly but like wants to sort of like embody in a way like her story of kind of coming from nothing to something but also like doing it in like this very like fuck you aggressive way is actually very like close to the punk ethos um, obviously in a different form of music, but, uh, are you, li- are, are you literally clipping your nails right now? I, no, I, I wasn't, sorry. I was clip- <laughs> clipping something else. Uh, I was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> but, Buddy's uh, doing some man grooming. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I think right now is poised. If you're in a band and if you're in a rock band and you're willing to like be a little political, take a risk, ruffle some feathers, piss some people off. And also, like, tap into the sentimental, emotional form of, like, the fact that, like, we're all going to be kind of reeling from the fact that, like, Trump is our president. And if you're not reeling from it, then, like, you're probably not even interested in this style of music. Yeah, no, you're probably not. So last – I wanted to ask about – one more thing about the emo and that era, and then I want to get into a few of the records of you and some other stuff. What do you feel of – if someone says emo to someone on the street – they're going to say cutting black yeah. hair and not yeah. its full history. How does that, how does that play into the bands that loved the earlier stuff caused now people to forget? <laughs> but that's just the way it always is. I mean, I've seen it a million times. It's never the first band that kicks through the door. It's the third band walking over the dead corpse of the other two bands it's like hey i fucking love you guys and you're like yeah of course you fucking do and you're i mean like jason from hot water was in our you know set in census fail for 
four or five years. And, you know, it was always like that. It's like, yeah, cool. Thanks. I'm glad you like uh, hot water. You know, thanks. thanks for coming. <laughs> of course, you do. of course you like hot water, you know, but you know, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, unfortunately, like you have a band present some style and it's like unpolished and un you know manipulated and then you have another band that kind of like refines that a little and then you have the third band that's like oh i see i i love these two and i'm gonna like you know sharpen the the thing to here and it and then and then it appeals to a wider audience i mean that happens that that happens to like every genre i don't i don't care like is there a more hated word than emo yeah, I can think of a couple. <laughs> Trump, <laughs> Trump being one. No. Uh, I don't know. I don't I, – I mean as far as like – I think it. I think it's just another word for when – I, when I hear the term emo, I just think about it as like goth in a way. Like I don't think about it as like emotional Midwestern hardcore. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not like, yeah, casket lottery. I mean, in my mind, like that is like what I used to think. And that is like the grounds on which like I started making emo music. But now it's sort of like, that's just a version of like, like it morphed. It's like third wave, you know, like you've heard like the British and how many times did the British invasion happen? You know, how many times that happened? Like what British Remember when it was like, Oh, it's a British invasion. And it was like, what was that band that did the libertines that dude was getting, you know what I mean? There was like that version of it. And then, but then there was all the way back to the Beatles and it's like, but at least band- they, at least they mentioned the Beatles when they talk about the British invasion. It's almost like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a forgotten, it's almost like time started in 06 and no other band prior existed that's how that's how it felt sometimes (laughs) i guess so i guess so i mean that's a weird thing though is like a lot of bands are always citing their like influences and talking about them but i think a lot of music listeners didn't necessarily wasn't really interested in that which is strange I was going to say you another interesting time I think which was uh, you know uh, timing in itself was Guitar Hero three. Well, that's where Senses Fail really like poked through. It was a different audience, and I think for you guys to have Can't Be Saved, how so many people found out about you because of that, and it's just kind of yeah. that crazy timing thing again. Timing, yeah. Like who would have known that game would have blown up, and who would have known like. That's would have been, you know, I don't know how the fuck are you supposed to know that shit? Like there's going to be this game that's going to capture every single stoner dorm room in the entire country, (laughs) maybe even all of North America. I mean, that song, like if you look at our plays on Spotify, that song has 11 million plays. And like the next closest one is maybe like, I think five. I mean, it's just clearly above the others and <laughs> because it was in a game and it's just like i, I loved playing that one live like i mean i love playing that one during guitar hero 2 but what was a what did you notice when that happened and you started playing the song i don't know i don't think i could tell i don't you couldn't tell that people I knew that one more no because we also had another song that was like on the radio you know it was like we were oh yeah you're right ripping along with hits then so i was like this is that's a hit this is a hit you know what i mean like so 
I couldn't, I couldn't really tell in the moment. Like we didn't really realize. I mean, because calling all cars was still going. Was this? Yeah, it was the single, and that got like radio play, and that was like actually charting on radio. And then at as that was like charting and doing well, uh, can't be saved was on Guitar Hero, and it was like the perfect storm of like, you know. And you did Taste of Chaos again. And then we did Taste the Chaos again, and you know, and it just kept going around. And was that the craziest couple years, like oh six, oh seven, oh eight? Yeah, it was definitely. I was also definitely like my worst years of my entire life. Which How is, so? Just from just, just I was super depressed and going through a lot of stuff, and it was a really awful time. So it's like really strange to, but that's always how those behind the music's work, you know, like. At the height of at the height of the band, you know, we are right before a break, so I'm just kidding. Do you want to like, you know, that it was always like the, and then things turned worse for Buddy from yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just that's just always the way it is. It was, uh, you know, like no one was happy. It, you know, people in the band weren't happy. We were never. Bi- I mean, for me, it was not this, but for other people in the band, you know, we were never big enough. We weren't Mike Kim. We weren't Fallout Boy. You know, we we weren't there. We didn't have a gold record. You know, so it was like still it was still, which is fucking ridiculous because I didn't necessarily feel this way. But like a lot of people in the band did was like we were still failing as a band. Like it was still like we're, we we haven't made it yet. Like, yeah, here we are selling out tons of shows, playing arenas, making twenty thousand dollars a night in merch on Warp Tour. But yet somehow we're still falling short. And that was really like a, I, that was like a difficult time in the band just because we, there was a lot of inner band like strife between like between everyone like what direction do we go what do we do what songs do we write you know the label's not pushing it the management is doing this like blah 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 blah. like things got big right and more problems oh yeah absolutely i mean yeah i mean you just have you have a lot of people not able to like stick their head up and go wow this is crazy i mean i was definitely in a very fucked up position emotionally and mentally but i still knew that what was going on was like super rare and special so i was able to enjoy it from that perspective but i mean uh, there were there i mean there were actively people in census fail were trying to kick me out of the band really Uh, yeah yeah yes maybe rightfully so i mean i was a fucking mess i mean i wasn't i i couldn't sing i was like an emotional i was first of all i shouldn't have been touring so was it have, was it drugs and alcohol or what was like was it I just mean, was, family was, stuff? There it was just I just had massive amounts of like generalized anxiety and like I couldn't really, really function and I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping and I was drinking <clears throat> and in you know you know like in classic fashion you know I remember calling our manager and being like yo I don't think and this was two years prior to like the big getting really big this is when we were like ramping up i remember being like yo i can't go to europe and he's like well i'll send i'll send our uh one of our guys over and he'll give you some like xanax or whatever and like you'll be able to make it through and i'm like yo i can't go like my grandma just died like i'm freaking the fuck out like i don't even know how to like i can't even like leave my house and they're like no like you gotta do this like the la- you know label you know so it's like you also had people involved that like didn't give a fuck about you personally and are solely focused on like this band's got this band has an opportunity 
to fucking make it, we got to throw him in there at all costs. So I probably should have been taken off the road at some point and been like, people should have been like, yo, look, you're fucked up. Like you need to like handle your shit. If we ever hope to like be successful, but I mean, I just wasn't in a good, I think it's really hard to be a good singer when when you're like massively depressed and anxious because your 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 body is your instrument and if your body is completely fucked up you can't sing and then when you start to fucking focus on singing <clears throat> i've never had a great voice my vocal stylings are based off of like jeff rickley and blake schwarzenbach <laughs> I've, modeled, I've literally modeled my voice off of bad singers but that's what i liked about email i also like singers who are unique but imperfect. Uh, this is just me. So <clears throat> I've never been perfect, but I was really bad then. I was a very bad singer. Uh, we had vocal. I had been to so many vocal coaches. I've been to so many different people, but it was all mental. And um, I, I don't know if we just didn't know enough about mental health back then or, or what, but you know, there's a lot of lobbying to get me kicked out of the band because they thought the vocals were holding me back. Um, which maybe is true, you know. Maybe that was maybe the reason why we didn't get bigger was because of my vocals. But I, I, I mean, I know the reason why the band is still here is because of me, because I'm the only one left. But um, I thought it was to that interesting time of different people started showing up. You know, like it was like label executives showing up. That Pinfield being at a fucking show, you're just like, dude, that fucking Pinfield. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like certain booking agents or managers or labels and you're like, what is going on? And and that must have been pressure like yeah, for the yeah. bands, pressure for the labels. Like it, it it was I mean, there was that. There was that. Like you have all these people showing up and then you know you kinda of look inward as a band and you're like, Well well, why aren't we my Ken? Like That's why, what I wanted to get back to. Like you guys were looking at all these things happening and being like, Why isn't that happening? Yeah, why aren't we Mike Kim? Why why aren't we the used? Like why are we the step down from these bands? What did we do wrong? What are we doing wrong? And you, and 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 in, in hindsight you just realize like, yo, there's only like there's only two, three of those bands and then everybody else is underneath and it's like you could fucking lobby all day or do whatever the hell you want, but you're just not that band and it just didn't work and it's not even your fault and like Maybe there's a couple things here or there, but like Census Fail wrote two perfect records in the right time frame, did all the right stuff. We just, you know, for whatever reason, it's just like it, 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 it was that. But maybe, you know, and then, but there is some truth. Like maybe it was some of my voice. Maybe, maybe that just wasn't as marketable or like we didn't, we didn't do the image thing as well. Like we were one of those people that were like, no, I love Thursday. I respect what they did. I'm gonna. We're not gonna do an image thing, type thing. You know what I mean? So and like, probably I think if we had bought in a little bit more to the like image thing, I think we could have probably pushed through. To be honest, I mean, I think if like I had donned more of a image type as a lead singer rather than just being like a loud personality or whatever, like um. I think we probably could have like maybe had an, a more of a shot. I think that was like the one thing probably holding us back was like, you know, Gerard is just such an undeniable like figure. You can turn him into a cartoon character. I mean, you did. And he became this iconic sort of like 
guy, you know, same thing with Bert and same thing even with like, uh, you know, um, I mean, you had guys in bands purposely dating celebrities to get bigger, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like here, here I am, here I am trying to hide my sexuality in a corner over here. Cause that was the other thing was like, I'm over here fucking hooking up with all sorts of different kinds of people trying to keep it fucking quiet and like hide that from everyone. And I'm not wanting to like be honest about, and I think probably if I had been more honest about like who I was and what I was doing, I bet we probably would have been bigger. I mean, cause people would have been like, wow, that's really cool. But it wasn't the time or place to do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I just I wasn't I wasn't like interested in trying to date a celebrity or anything like that or not that these guys were like doing it on purpose, but it just wasn't even in my wheelhouse of like I was barely functioning as a human being, let alone like thinking of like what could I do as a lead singer to make the band bigger. <laughs> yeah. What about what about like post, you know, 2008, 2009 when it sort of did like kind of subside? And Oh, the dark ages. Yeah, the sense of the dark times. Oh yeah, you're like three versions in. There's like a a version of Chiodos, third version of Chiodos. It was very weird. I mean, it was a dark time. It was like probably you know, <laughs> it's a dark time for Census Fail. I mean, that's when most people in the band left. Um, you know, I mean, financially it was. I mean, uh, you got to understand. I mean, you're talking about each member making at one point upwards of like. $150,000 each split five ways for years. And then you're, you're talking about You're not only talking about the economic crisis, which happened, which all the economic crisis and the downturn in just the genre happened at the exact same fucking You're time. right. Yeah. So you went from like making, I don't want to say stupid amounts of money because it's still not like stupid. It was, but it was, I mean, you multiply that times five and you're making, you're, you know, you're, you're making a good amount of money. And then literally you stop making that money altogether and you're going to have people go, whoa, like I got to fucking like, I'm selling my bitcoins, you know? (laughs) I'm like, no, but everybody had to go fucking find something else to do. (laughs) Yeah. The bubble burst and you got to sell your bitcoins. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to hold on. Nah, this is going to be worth something, I swear. You know, like, I'm not selling. It's a long, I'm in a, it's a long game. You gotta be, it's going to swing back around, you know? And, um, and to be honest, it actually has. So It totally <laughs> has. Anyone, anyone that's getting into Bitcoin right now, you're fucked. Yeah. But you missed out. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, that was a dark time. I mean, you know, it's it, literally, uh, uh, Life is Not a Waiting Room, which I still feel is a really solid record that just, just you know, it just didn't get what it deserved as far as just like whatever. But um, came out a, a week after the crash. So it was like perfect. It was like the crash, record comes out, and it just sort of bottomed out for maybe like... <laughs> I don't know, probably like maybe seven or eight years. I mean, really, I mean, like there were some rough tours in there and like just people weren't spending money in general, let alone punk rock, rock. spending it on this. And then the genre, you know, and then you had like, like, you know, the next wave of bands come in and 
copying, copying. And then, you know, he just ended up being like, ah, oh, that's, you know, census fail. And like, you know, and we still had some good tours and still did some good stuff. But like, I would, I would definitely say it was definitely like the, yeah, the beginning era, the like big era, the downturn era. And then you have this like new revival type, like era where now all our fans are like 28 and 30 and they've got money and they want to spend it and they come to shows and they want to be reminded of their youth and they want to be reminded of like the things that made them happy when they were young. And do you hope they listen to the new record? Because chances are they're just coming for those three songs. True. I think, but I think we wrote a record that's undeniably something that they couldn't even, they couldn't even deny it if they wanted to. I don't think if you're a census fail fan, if you listen to our new record, there's no way you could not like fall back in love. I've, I also have modeled myself after Deftones. Deftones came out and fucking dropped two, their two, their two best records. I don't know, 16 years into their career. So I'm like, I know I can do it. I know it can happen. You know, you just got to put in the effort and you got to believe. And like, you know, they dropped Diamond Eyes and the Yokoi. I can't even fucking pronounce it. Um, I agree. Uh, I agree. I think you're right. Like, it, it, they like killed a band, it. A band could, a band could totally do that. And I think for you guys to have that thought, and I, I didn't mean that disparaging about the fan. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying like it, you, you hope that when do. they show up. That they're like, they, oh fuck! Is there a light that will find you? I'm all in. Yeah, that's what you hope. But I also believe and have seen that if you don't believe that, they're not going to believe it either. I watch a lot of wrestling, and like, I didn't realize that basically you're doing the same thing as a professional wrestler. Like, you go through a lot of changes, and you're you try different characters on and you have different gimmicks and you have different tag teams and you know, you have different entrances and you, you have different rivalries and some of them are huge and some of them are on the undercard and like you change promotions and you, you know, but like ultimately you're selling yourself and you have a thing that people like and like, wrestlers who like truly buy into their like idea of what they are and like know how to like sell that. And I don't mean in like a materialistic way. I mean like a really like, you know, I'm fucking John Cena, like John, not in like a hubris way. just like, I know, I know my character, my character is me and I know exactly what I'm doing. People gravitate towards that. And if you don't have that mentality, as a wrestler, people know you're a fraud. They're like, that guy doesn't fucking believe in his character. He doesn't even in on that. He's not all in. He doesn't really believe in it, you know? Whereas, like, when Jericho was just last around, I don't know how many years he is into his career, he's an amazing, he had one of his best runs. And, like, I still think that's, that's almost the way you have to look at it as a band. Of like, you know, you're changing face every time you put out a record. And, like, if you're not, like, believing in what you did people are gonna like know it you know they're gonna be like yeah he's he's you know he's he is this character right now and they're pushing this and that's cool but like this isn't in his heart you know and i think i think that that happens a lot with with bands and records especially later on in bands career because like when you're early on there's no there's no separation you don't know what you're doing you're just making music having a great time like you are fully in <laughs> you know, like 
you don't have any other option. You're just fully in because that's who you are and that's what you're doing. But later you have all these decisions of like, do we want to write this music? Do we want to write that music? Should we do this? Should we do that? And then you can easily be like not even like married or interested to your music or even your touring ideas or anything you're doing. And I think that that people smell that. And it's not a conscious thing, but people want to be on invested in things that they feel are meaningful beyond what they are on the surface. At least I've seen from a, from a census fail perspective. And um, I've always been invested, but I would say that like, there are times when I haven't believed as much in the band or believed as much in like the music or the record or like what we're doing as I do right now. Um, and you hope that that translates into people being as invested as you are. And I, I mean, I think you have the, again, this 10 years since 08 or 10 years since 07, you know, it makes sense. I almost called it. Um, I was like ready to sort of think like, okay, these bands are going to start having these 10 years, but to got to you guys to have, you know, 15 years as a band, um and to kind of come out on the other side how do you think that happened <laughs> it's kind of like um oh, man i think it's i think it's i don't know what chris farley oh yeah it's in wayne's world i think when he's like you get out of here you piece of shit and chris farley's like oh, i got no place else to go <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I don't know if you know. I think it's in Wayne's World. Oh, too. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it oh. is definitely Wayne's World too. It's that when he's they're roadieing and they're shooting balls at him and he falls down in the middle of the stage. That's like a metaphor for census fail. Like, how, ba- how how like, bad do you want to put on this rock concert? I, I yeah. give my right eye. <laughs> I'm out there on stage getting pelted with fucking tennis balls. <laughs> why are you even here and you're like i got no place else to go <laughs> i mean in some respects that's true but i actually did i mean i went and like i went and worked at vagrants for a while and managed bands and i you know gave a shot at like normal life and this is just like it's just to do something this long and i think what you talked about earlier about sort of being committed and doing it i think that shows something you've still been through all the years releasing music, still touring. And I think you've learned a lot and sort of seen a lot, but also being able to pass that on to that younger band that's on tour with you to say, Hey, when that guy's offering you this, or you maybe do this next time. It's, I think that's also part of it. I mean, I try not to, cause honestly, I mean, 20 year old dudes aren't going to listen to me cause they're going to look at me and go, hey, what the hell does he know? So, I mean, really generally, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really like, uh, offer up too much information because honestly, honestly, like what oh, works I for thought some- you'd be like the grand, uh, guy on the road being like, guys, sit down. Let me, let me have that uncle buddy tell you a story. No, I tried that. I tried that with all time low once and I felt like an old weird man. I remember being like drunk on their bus, being like, you know what, you guys, you don't want to be a Disney band. Stop this shit. I was like, just keep doing your pop punk thing. Don't go to the major label. Just fucking stop it. And they're like, yeah, man, whatever. Fucking, all right, buddy. From like, I love that. I don't really do that. I mean, if someone wants to like come and talk to me about stuff, like 
cool. I'll give him advice, but like, I'm not really like, because honestly, what works for census fail, like doesn't work for other people. Cause like to be, to be, to be realistic, if there were five people in census fail right now, we wouldn't be a functional band because there w- there's not enough money. Yeah. Like to be honest, like you split up what I make between five people. We're all making under minimum wage. So I can't really tell people, Hey, kick everyone out of your fucking band and do it all yourself. Learn how to tour manage, learn how to be work in the music industry, go work for labels, like be a manager, figure it all out. So you know all the decisions and what to do and how to do it. And then pretty much use your band as like a solo project where you write the music because that's going to work. Like, no, I, that won't work for anyone. Yeah. Like that's cause that's the way census fail worked. People just kept leaving and I just kept gaining more information about like how to run a business specifically in the music business and then just started writing more and like crafted my own ability to like write and and be a songwriter. And like luckily I guess I'm good enough at that to like be good. I mean be something people want to listen to. So it would be very hard pressed for me to give people advice on like how to navigate like being in a band with five people all trying to like pay for their kids. Cause like, I, I don't know how to do that. Cause it, it, I mean, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work for census fail. Census fail works. Cause it's sort of just like me. And I know that it's sort of weird to talk about because it's just like, I feel like I'm like alone in a band, but you know, I mean, I have the awesome guys that play with me and travel with me and like play on the record. But like, as far as like the decisions and like the day in and day out of what like Census Fail does and like direction, I mean, that's all me and been all me since, you know, 2012, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Or 13, you know. So yeah. we're talking years. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how to like part pass that information down onto someone like maybe if they were a solo artist i'd be like yo you got to be invested and know what you're doing and like have a clear understanding of what everyone around you is doing but it's kind of hard for me because like i don't know how it's been successful i just know that like it works and it but it only kind of works because we don't have five people in the band like the vision for census fail is only my vision i don't have to then bounce it off five different people yeah and that's what makes bands tricky is like you have one guy who recently got into bluegrass and he's like i want to fucking do bluegrass you have one guy who's like i love bane and you're like how the fuck are we supposed to make a record how does that (laughs) how does that make good music you know and then every then you have one guy who's like dude i'm just fucking here because like i need the money and like i don't even want to fucking be here and you end up with a really like uh difficult situation it's hard to make music in an environment like that and you'll see you know a lot of bands that like as they age they have trouble writing great music and it's not because they're bad musicians it's just because they're they're not you're you're fighting five different opinions i mean it is it is it's it's five you know boyfriends girlfriends at at one time all trying to create art which is already emotional (laughs) then having the relationship part on top of it Oh, and then you factor in people starting to have relationships. And then you add in, you know, the wife and or the husband and, and the, the children. And then you have, like, a lot to surmount to even agree on, like, 
what the verse should be. Which goes you know, back when, to if you can do that. However, if it's a census fail way with you kind of being the, the point, but then having those other, but a band, if I see a band, like I just saw the Circa guys and I just was like telling them, I'm like, I think it's amazing. You guys are still friends, have relationships, you have kids and you're still a band and you still do these things and you seem like you don't want to kill each other. I think if no one showed up, that's still fantastic that you're friends. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely possible and it's very rare. It and is, which is almost like you should be thankful <laughs> when a band has that many records. It almost says to me, like, I need to go see them because it's lasted that long. Yeah. There's something but that's kind of what's happening with Circa. You're like, you stick your head up. You're like, this band's fucking huge. What the fuck happened? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's sort of why I think people are like, wow, this is like really special. Like they keep making really good music and like they're consistent and they're not like, you know, fucking up. This is awesome. But, uh, but the same thing for you guys being around for 15 years, having, again, it's, it, it, I think the morphing and going through the ups and downs, like you have a new record and you sort of have this new fire. And like you said earlier, like that's what you want. You want to have that each time. Oh yeah. But you can't. And that's, that's the other thing too. I always tell, I do tell bands not every tour can be good. I told you it was uncle buddy once in a while. I'm like, not every tour can be good. That's what you got to realize. Like not every record is going to be big. Not every tour is going to be good. And like, if you can like ride that wave, ride that wave, you'll come out on the other side. But I, I, for a lot of people, you can't ride that wave. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people don't want to play on the jets for a season, you know, but like, that's so true. Like if you play on the jets long enough, you're going to have a winning season at some point. You'll have a good time. You know, you'll have a good coach. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, I guess I don't want to compare census fail to the jets, but uh, that's not, that's I, have, not uh, I have so many jets fans. <laughs> Just we're like, more like, so we're more like, I'm a Packers fan. We're more like the Vikings. Like we're always pretty good. And like every now and then we fucking kill it and we get to the super bowl, but we have like a really awesome fan base and like we got cool colors. And we're like a good organization. We have our shit together, but like we're not always going, we're not the fucking Patriots. You yeah. Know? You know, we're not even the Packers. There's even someone in our division that's more prestigious and like important and like better than us. But like we're always, we're always, we're always doing well. And you know, the Packers are the Vikings. But you know what it is? You're still in the game. You're still in yeah. the division, right? Yeah. You're still there, buddy. Yeah, we're not the Marlins, like getting ready to close up shop or something. You know, the Expos—they're done. Yeah, I'm done. They quit. So. So last one, when all said and done on census fail, let's hope years from now, I want you, like you said, Chris Farley, you have nowhere else to go. I actually am going to rewatch Wayne's World 2 because of that. Thank you. I love Chris Farley. So I'm glad you uh, brought that up. So when all is said and done on census fail years from now, what would you want people to remember? I guess that we were a meaningful part of a generation. I think that that's like the highest compliment that you could give to a musician or any kind of artist is that you, you had an impact on enough people's lives that it actually is viewed as like a generational meaningful, you know, like when people look back on the genre, I, I would like to be remembered in the genre. If that makes sense. Like, you know, 
it would be cool if people were like, yeah, there was Mike Hem and Fallout Boy and Thursday and Census Fail or, or whatever version of bands. You know what I mean? So um, I think that, that that's like – I don't need there to be like any adjectives or pretty words about like what we did or what we were. I just think being like – I don't want to be like canned heat or something, you know, where it's like, you know, there are all these fucking bands, you know, they're all like hippies and stuff. And like, there's this band, this random band called canned heat. And they had a song go into the country. Like, I don't want to be that. If that makes sense. Does mm-hmm. that make any sense? Yeah. Like I want to be one of the bands that was like, yo, this band was like influential and was in law around for a long time. Part of it. Part of it, like a big, a big part of it, played a big role in it, and also played a role in like multiple versions of whatever that music scene was. Like not just like they weren't just there for the big time; they were also like, like same thing could be said for like the the Fat Records Epitaph era. Like as much as I love the band, I don't want to be like a pulley. <laughs> love pulley, love one of my pulley. favorite bands. Love Pulley, one of my favorite bands. But I would like to be more of like a. I mean, if you if you believe that like less than Jake falls into that, I would rather be like. All right, I see oh, that. Like, like, that's a good one because they yeah. totally had their peak and they're still sticking along. And if you go see them, you're gonna have a fucking great time. Exactly, and and you'll probably do that until they all die. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're no. They're going to be a band forever, and they're always going to have fans. And if you mention Ska, you're going to be like, there was, you know, the Boston's and Real Big Fish, but there was fucking Less Than Jake. They never even stopped. The Less Than Jake of mid-2000s, got it. <laughs> I really did appreciate that, too, because I'm friends with them. They do also have someone in the band named Buddy. So. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. It was uh, great to be on. Washed Up Emo fans, thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com